the podcast on? Are you ready? The title today is, is God in Your Peripheral Vision. Is God in Your Peripheral Vision. It's a new year this year. I mean, it's 2019 already. Brother Stephan asked in the midweek service, have you, have you put 2018 again? And I had just written it that day on Wednesday. Fell off a time off request form, and I was t- trying to take a day off work. Two days off work, actually. And, and I put 2018 on it. But, but we, we all make resolutions. Brother Stephan's getting my message this morning again. We all make resolutions, and, and resolution means that we want to do something. We want to see something be different in our life. We want to be more healthy, usually. We want, we want weight loss. Weight loss was mine for the last two or three years before this year. I didn't even make one this year because I know that I'm not going to do it anyway. We usually fail by the end of January, don't we? By the end of the first month, we put it down, so it could, be, it could be weight loss, it could be a career, it could be to make more money, it could be for my family to be closer, it could be for my marriage to be stronger, right? All these things that we can make, make these things on, it could be for a future spouse, right? It, it might be, Steve, to find a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? <laughs> Think about it. Some of us don't want a spouse, some of us just want a boyfriend or girlfriend. We haven't got our minds quite right yet, but we're working on it, and we're sitting in the right place, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get something here today. Maybe our resolution is spiritual. Think about it. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we made a resolution we're going to pray more. We're, we're going to have more in the, we're going to read more, the Word of God more. We're going to listen to podcasts more. We're going to fast more, right? We're going to, I'm going to attend church more in 2019. Yeah. Think about it. If, if I knew that I was going to be here on Wednesday and Sunday night, if I would just make that commitment to do that, I would know that I'm going to be here on Wednesday and Sunday. There would be no doubt in my mind, right? I wouldn't be too tired to get up and come to church on Sunday. I wouldn't even be late for service on Sunday. I wouldn't be late for Sunday school on Sunday because I know I was going to church on Sunday. I knew I was getting up going to Sunday school. So you know what I'd do? I'd prepare for it. Yeah. I'd go to bed early on Saturday night. I'd put off the things that I had to do late on Saturday night that kept me out too late where I couldn't make it to Sunday school, where I was late to church, where I'm nodding off when pastor's preaching. Y'all wonder why I get loud sometimes? It's to wake people up. That's why. That's why. It beats coming over and kicking your chair. Are you following me? If we just knew that we were going to be here, though, we'd prepare for those things. We wouldn't take things on on Wednesdays. We wouldn't let our kids join sports that are on Wednesday nights. Are you following me? Our, our, our daughters have a thing that, that's on Wednesday. We sign them up for dance. Brenda signed them up for dance. And, and Joe goes on Saturday morning, and Grace and Kylie go on Monday evenings, right? So that's, that's okay. They can do that. Well, now they've got this recital thing coming up that they've got to do, and they have a mandatory dress rehearsal they've got to be at on Wednesday night. I said, if we start to give in right now, if we start to falter on our beliefs right now, if we bend right now, then we've given up. Are you following me? We can't give in on this at all. So if I know that I'm going to be here on Wednesday and Sunday, there'd be no doubt that I'm going to do it. Why are spiritual things always second, though, right? Did you notice in the order I put those? Because that's in the order our mind thinks. I want to lose weight, and then I might read my Bible a little bit more. Are you following me? I might try to show up to church a little bit more. It's because our focus is wrong. It's a wrong focus. I'm going to be talking today a lot about focus. So when I focus on Brenda... The, the title I gave you was what? Anybody remember? Is God in your peripheral vision? When I focus on Brenda, I can look at her directly at her, and I can see that she's got brown hair. I can see that she's got beautiful green eyes. Right? I can see these things about her. I can still see Brother Stefan over here, and I can tell that he has on a, either a blue or green shirt. I'm not sure. I think it's a blue shirt. And I can tell that he has hair. I don't really know what color it is. I can't, tell, I can't see the detail. You, you get it, what I'm saying? When God's in your peripheral vision, you don't really know a lot about him. You can't see the details of them. Your focus is on the wrong thing. So this is what we do. We live in the world. We get our focus on different things besides God. Actually, at the beginning of the year, we get our focus on the Bible. We get our focus on losing weight. We get our focus on all these things that they should be on. And then by the end of the month, we focus back on the things that we used to focus on through pressure. 
I'm going to talk to you a little about pressure today, too. So, so when we're focused on God, we're, we're in the relationship with God. Not that these other things are bad. Not that it's bad. It is a blue shirt. Not that it's bad for me to have a relationship with Brother Stephan, even. But I have to focus on God first. Not that it's bad for me to have a relationship with Brenda or to have a job. Those things are all good in their place, but I have to focus on God first and foremost. Right? These other things are just something that I can see a fuzzy image of. For me, it's my car. You all know, you all, I've told you, it's no, it's no secret. I've, I've been transparent since I came here. For me, it's car, and I, li- I like guns a lot, right? Four-wheelers. I like motorized things, right? So I'll get into doing those things, and they take my focus off God for a while. Then I have to focus myself. I have to recenter back up, re- re-up again, and recenter on God. Any of you all feel what I'm talking about? Yeah. You've been there before? So when I focus on her, other things are a blur, right? Matthew 6, 33, I'm just going to quote it for you. It says, it's talking about food and shelter and water and all the things that we go to work for, right? But it says, in 33, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things, things will be added unto you. He didn't tell us to chase after things, did he? He told us to chase after him. All these other things will chase after me if I'm chasing after God. God will just add these things. It's not added by the enemy, right? The enemy doesn't do anything good for me, but it's added by God. But I got to focus on God first. I got to put him first and foremost. Let the things, let the clothing, don't worry about what I'm going to wear. That can be a blur to me. I got to have my focus on God. If I turn and focus on clothing, if I turn and focus on my job, what happens? God becomes a blur to me. Does that make sense to you? So I don't know if I'm articulating this correctly. So, So all these things will be added unto me. Now, if God's adding these things, that tells me there's nothing wrong with having those things, right? There's nothing wrong with the things. The thing that's wrong is my focus. Our focus is the problem. Second Chronicles chapter 14 and cha- through chapter 16. We're not going to go there just yet. I'll be right back with you. We're talking about two di- or three chapters here. So I'm going to tell you part of the story. I'm going to read a couple of verses, okay? Um, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 14 through 16. Turn to it if you got your Bible there today. And we're going to read some here in just a little bit. So it's about King Asa. Asa was a king of Judah. This was after, um, after King David and, and Solomon. And it was down the road after that, after the, after the nation of Israel was split. So King Asa was a king of, of Judah. And King Asa had an army of 300,000 soldiers that carried shields and spears. Right? And he had, he had 280,000 soldiers that carried shield, shields and bows. So King Asa had an army of 580,000 soldiers. Sounds like a lot, right? <clears throat> he came up against an Ethiopian army that had a million soldiers, and three of them had chariots. Three, uh, a million men with 300 of them driving chariots, right? So in Second uh, Chronicles 14, 11 through 13 says this. And Asa cried out to the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. It is nothing for you. to. This is no challenge for you, God, even though they have 400,000. They're almost twice our size, God. They've got chariots. They've got better equipment. This is nothing for you. You've got this. Whether with many or with those or whether with many or with those who have no power, help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on you. And in your name, we go against the multitude, O Lord. You are, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. So he's siding with God. His focus is on God, right? So when he's standing here on this battlefield, he's looking at God. He's directly focused on God. There's a million men over here across from him, and they were a blur. He wasn't focused on that million men. He was focused on God, so he cried out to God for his help. Yeah. Are you following me? His help wasn't in the natural. If he would have been looking at those million men, 
He would have probably turned around. He would have tried to figure it out on his own. He would have tried to figure out, devise some other plan. But instead, he just turned to God because his focus was on God and the million men standing across the battlefield with the 300 chariots were a blur. Twice as many men. You get this? <clears throat> and 12 says this. <clears throat> so the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Come on. And Asa and the, uh, the people who were with him pursued them to, to Gerar, so the uh, Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. They destroyed this people, twice the size of the army, and they destroyed them because his focus was on God, right? During Asa's reign, whoever wouldn't serve God, you know what happened to him? Didn't matter if they were men or women or, or, or great or they, or they were small. He put them to death. He put them to death. Asa was a godly man. He didn't put up with any shenanigans. He didn't put up with people with, from outside religions. He didn't put up with it. His focus was on, come on, say it with me. You all paying attention here, right? His focus was on God. His focus was on God. The other things were a blur to, to, to Asa. He didn't care about the other things near as much as he did God. Right? So he had 35 years of peace because this was his policy. He had 35 years of peace focused on God. The whole, the whole tribe of Judah had 35 years of peace, right? But in the 36 years, two armies came, in, in the 36th year, I mean to say, two armies came against Judah. Again, right? Two armies came against them, and, and they were great armies, bigger than, much bigger than the, the army that Judah had. So in 16.2, it says this. <clears throat> Do you have it there? Nope, I got it here. So in, in 16.2, I'm just going to paraphrase for you. Asa took the silver and gold from the treasury of the house of the Lord. He took the money from the church. Are you following me? And he took the money from the king's house, from his own house, and he paid off, the, uh, his name was Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, to, to withdraw from the king of Israel, right? Because Judah and Israel, they were, all one of the, they were each one of the 12 tribes. Israel was split at this time. So he paid off the king of Syria to withdraw because they were basically ganging, ganging up on, on Judah, right? The tribe of Judah. So he paid the king of Syria to withdraw to leave the king of Israel out there because he knew if one of them would withdraw, it would be a smaller army and the other one would withdraw. They'd get, they'd get scared and they would withdraw too. So that's what he paid him to do. And then 2 Chronicles 16, 7 through 10 says this. <coughs> And at the time, Hanai, however you say that name, the seer came to Asa, the king of Judah, and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Syria, what was his focus on? His focus changed, right? His focus changed from being focused on God. I'm sure it changed before this time. That's probably what brought this attack on. Are you following me? When you have an attack come on, it's usually because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. A lot of times it is. Um, so he, he, his focus changed from being focused on God to, to being focused on what he could do about it. He saw the, ar the army was no longer a blur to him standing out there. All these men outside the gates were no longer a blur. It says they wouldn't allow people to come in or out of, the, of, of his city. So it was no longer a blur to him because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord, your God. Therefore, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. He's let him go. God had a plan to destroy him right there. God had a plan, but instead of, instead of looking at God's plan and relying on God and being focused on God, he focused on what he could do about it. Yeah. Come on, sis. <clears throat> were, the, uh, were the Ethiopians and the 
Lubum, not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Because he relied on him, he delivered them into their hand. Come on. <clears throat> For the eyes of the Lord ran to and fro throughout the whole earth. They run to and fro through to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those heart whose heart is loyal to him. Who's that? The ones who are focused on him, right? If we're focused on God, we're being loyal to God. But if we're focused on a car, it's hard to be loyal to God when he's nothing but a blur to me. Does that make sense to you? Am I boring you all today? Are you just tired? Or Okay. Okay. Loyal to him, and this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. There's consequences for not being focused on God. Right? When we live in sin, there's consequences for that sin. There will be consequences for it. For the eyes of the... Oh, come on, sis. <clears throat> then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was, he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at this time. So Asa turned from being a good king and putting people to death that wouldn't follow God or that, that followed someone else besides God. He went from that to oppressing God's people. Are you following me? Focus radically changed, completely changed his focus around. And then if we read on here in Second Chronicles uh, 16, verse 12, by the 39th year, just three years later, I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to talk to you about it, you can go back and read it later. Just three years later, Asa has disease in his feet. You know what he did? He went after the, he went after the physicians of the day. He looked for them for help, and they were, they were nothing like what we have today, but they were, not that they have more power than God, but, but he, he, sucked, he seeked after the, the physicians and not after God. His focus was on man. His focus was on what he could do with it. The consequence was, was, was there's consequences when we don't rely on God, when we don't depend on God, when we don't focus on God, right? We try to figure out in our flesh. Does that make sense? And then by verse 13, Asa died. A couple verses only, and he, that's all he lived after that. Once he turned his focus from God, the Bible was done with that story. We try to figure it out in the flesh. We say, I got this. When our focus isn't on God, there's consequences. We lose instead of continuing to gain, right? And Jesus, or Jesus said in Luke 19 and 26, he said this. You got 19, 26 back there? For I say to you that, that to everyone who has will be given. And from, from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. In one translation I read, it said, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So, so many times we come to God and we think we have so much, but we're not looking to the source. Our focus isn't on him. Our focus is on what we think we have. And then we end up losing what we thought we had anyway, right? The difference is the focus. The difference in having more and the difference in losing is our focus. What's your focus on? Don't focus on, Jesus didn't say focus on things. He said, focus on me. Look to me. When everything else is a blur, I'll, I'll, add those, I'll give those. Those things will chase you down. Blessing will follow you when you're focused on God. Asa thought he had it going on. He's got this. He's got it all figured out. I'll just take the money from the church. I'll take the money that people have given into God, and I'll take the money from my house, and I'll pay off this army, and it'll all be good. He failed to think about the plan that God had. God had a plan to deliver that army into his hand. They could have continued on and had peace the rest of Asa's days. Who knows how long he would have lived? The Bible doesn't say that. Who knows how long he would have lived, though? But instead, he took matters into his own hands. You follow me? And what happened next was, in a few verses, he was dead. And they had war the rest of his days. 
That king, because he escaped Asa's hand, God wanted Asa to take him right then. But since he didn't take him, that king plagued him. Those armies plagued him the rest of his life. There's consequences when we don't follow God. There's consequences when we lose our focus on God. When we, when we commit to focus on God, though, you know what's going to happen next? Pressure is coming. When you make a commitment to God to focus on him, the pressure is coming. If, if you don't feel any pressure in your life, check your commitment. Check that out right there because you're missing the commitment. There's something wrong in the commitment area. There's something wrong with your focus. If there's no pressure in your life because it's coming. It's going to come if you make a commitment to follow God. If you make a commitment to focus your life on God, to focus your sight on God, pressure can be a good thing now. Think of it. You say, how can it be a good thing, Pastor? Think about it. You take a lump of coal that's in the ground and pressure and some time, it makes into a diamond worth untold amounts of money, right? It can be a good thing when it's pressure from the Word of God, right? Because you can hear something that, that, that's in the Word of God that causes you to change something in your life. It doesn't always feel good. That conviction that you feel when you come into the house of God, the conviction that you feel sometimes when you read the Word of God or when the Spirit speaks to you, it doesn't always feel good, but it's always right. When it comes from the Word of God, it's always right. Or when you hear the preached Word, when you, hear, when you hear a preacher preach and he's preaching the Word of God or she's preaching the Word of God, it may not always feel good. It might step on your toes, right? It might kick you in the pants, but it's always right. So it's up to us what we do. The pressure from the world, or there's pressure from the world sometimes too. You, you heard something in the Word, or pressure from the Word, I mean to say, I'm not to the world yet. There's pressure from the Word. The Word, it requires you to do something about you. When you hear some of the word that requires you to do something about yourself, when you know that you're in the wrong about something, are you following me? I knew you all would get quiet here, but I didn't expect you to be quiet all the way up to here. I have to remind you that I'm a participatory preacher. I haven't told you in a while. Participatory preacher. A few amens, hallelujahs, head nods. I'll get you out of here a lot faster. I know there's a couple games on today. I'd like to see them too. But I'll stay with you all day if we need to to get this, get this, get this point across right here, right? So, so sometimes there's pressure from the Word of God when we hear something or we read something in the Word of God, and it requires us to do something about you. It requires me to do something about me. I'm not preaching from a soapbox today. It applies to all of us, right? It requires me to do something about my marriage, about, about the situation I'm, I'm in, my children, or whatever it may be, right? It requires me to change, to restructure, to refocus, you see, God brought this to me because it was the beginning of the year again, and, he, and he's been on me. And it wasn't even about a New Year's, New Year's resolution, but it was just about me getting myself more right. I heard a preacher preach on, on a podcast I listened to, and he asked, are, he asked a question, and he said, are you more spiritual this January 1st than you were last January 1st? And I had to think about it, and the answer was no. I'm not. Not that I've fallen in any sin or anything, but I, I haven't pressed into God as much as I did last year. At this time last year, I was closer to God. And, and you all know as Christians, we, we go up and down. We get into valleys and we have peaks. And, and right then I wasn't. Since then, I've been pressing into God. Since then, God has reminded me to focus totally and completely on him. Everything else has become a blur to me. The other things don't really matter to me. Are you following me? But this is what spurred this whole thing along. Sometimes we have to change. We have to restructure. We have to, we have to refocus ourselves. We have to look inside of ourselves, and we have to discipline ourselves to do something about it. Yeah. Right? We can, we can take two, 2019. We can, we, we've got it by the tail. We're right at the beginning of it. We can make it whatever we want to make it. It can be ours. Right? Or we can sit and watch it go by. We have to do something with it, though. 
So you hear something in God's word, whether it's, whether it's you have to change something in your marriage, or you, you restructure yourself, or whatever it may be. It could be a physical thing like that. It could be about financial responsibility. A lot of Christians don't like to hear about tithes. They're, they come to church, and they're all about the church. They love the pastor. They love the word they're getting. They love the change they're having in their life. And you tell them about financial responsibility, and they say, I don't know about that pastor down there. I think he just wants your money. That's all he wants. And I, I, I don't need your money. God don't need your money. Right? It's about obedience, though. It's about doing what God calls us to do, right? So I, I got ahead of myself right there. So the financial responsibility, then, then, then you have a pressure that you come against that. You don't really have to do that, right? You don't really have to pay your tithe, right? Your spouse might tell you that. Your head might tell you that. The enemy might tell you that, right? You don't really have to do that. The preacher just wants your money down there, right? I got to tell you, God doesn't really need your money. I don't really need your money. It's about an act of obedience, right? If you hang on to that small thing, if, if you release that small thing, though, you'll be given more. Isn't that what the word said? Yes. Right? Yes. To who has, more, more will be given. But when you hang on to that small thing, you just hold on to that small thing, and you'll keep that small thing. That's what you have. It's about obedience. That's what tithe is. And I'm just talking about tithe because it's about that in every way. It's about that in, in your spiritual man. Are you following me? When we're obedient to the word of God, more is given to us. When we can be trusted with something small in the kingdom of God, that's the same way we'll act with something great. So if we can't handle something small, he's not going to give us something bigger. Does that make sense? We've got to stay focused on God and everything that his word says. We can't pick and choose what we want to do. Are you following me? We've got to take it all. When we commit to focus on God, though, pressure is going to come. It's going to come from people. It might come from your spouse. Right? I had a dream this week. It was about Brother Winston. I'm not going to tell the whole dream because it's pretty crazy. But he came and got beside me, <laughs> and he was, he was just pouring his heart out to me, and he said, my wife just picks at me all the time. She puts pressure on me. She forces me to do things I don't want to do. I don't remember what all it said, but, but it reminded me of, this is where this part of the message came from, Sister Alicia. Thank you for that. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. I, just, I dreamed that it was in a dream. But it, it caused me to realize that pressure comes from all areas of our life. Pressure can come from your spouse, it can come from your boss, it can come from your friends, it can come from your children, right? It can come from people inside the church. You can have pressure. Pressure moves us from things, right? Pressure can be a good thing, but most of the time we let pressure move us from where we should be, from where we want to be, and it's usually from where we know we should be, right? We want to be there because we know that's where we're supposed to be at. We want to be closer to God. I want to be focused on God, but sometimes pressure moves me off that spot. Can you all relate to that? That just me. Matthew 7, 15 through 20 says this. <clears throat> Beware of false prophets. That word prophets right there, this was used in the, in the, in the Old Testament. Prophets were uh, really commonplace, right? They were very common. And Jesus talks about prophets being common, uh, false prophets being common in his day. Are you following me? This means yes. You all read this part of the Bible, right? Jesus talked about false prophets. They're talking about false prophets in the Old Testament. Can I tell you today that false, prophet, false prophets are just as prevalent? Yeah. There's still pro false prophets all over the planet right now, right? False prophets would only prophesy what the king or the people wanted to hear. You see what I'm saying? <clears throat> so who came to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they were ravenous wolves. Come on, sis. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Come on. 
Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Well, think about that right there. That seems so simple. But what kind of tree are you today? What kind of fruit is coming out of your life? If you're bad, you're not going to have good things coming out of your life. If you're good, you're not going to have bad things coming out of your life. And even so, oh, come on. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Come on. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Can I tell you that he's not just talking about false prophets right here? He's not just talking about false prophets right here. This applies to every one of us. If we're a good tree, if we're putting good things in, if we're focused on God, things are going to be added to us. Isn't that what he said? Jesus said over the other scripture right there, right? So things will be added to us. We'll we'll have good fruits coming out of our life. Good things will come out of that. We'll be blessed, and that blessing we can pass on. We learned about on Wednesday night. We're blessed so many times as Christians so that we can bless other people. But if you get caught holding on to that blessing, you could plug up the glory hole. You You could plug up the blessing. Are you following me? Does that make sense? We have to stay focused on God and what his word says. Focus. It's all about our focus. Right? A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Are we perfect? No. No. But when we mess up, we repent and we get back on and we, and we do it again. There's no shame in falling down. The shame is if you don't get back up again. The shame is if you don't do something about it. If God is dealing with us on something, and he is right now, every one of you can think of something that your focus gets on. With me, it's multiple things. Probably you too, because we're all pretty much the same, right? God is deal- when God is dealing with us or speaking with us on something, and he is right now, we can be obedient we can go forward. Isn't that what happened with Asa? Asa, when he was obedient, when he was focused on God, when God was the center of everything, he went forward, had 36 years or 35 years of peace, could have went on the rest of his life, who knows how long that could have been, and had peace the rest of his days. Or we can be disobedient, we can, be, we can disobey God. We can just take that thing that he's working, on, working at us with right now, that thing that he's speaking to us about right now, right? And we can focus on that thing. Good job, Sister Pam, this means yes. Everybody look at Sister Pam. See how she's doing it? This means yes. Yes, amen. This means I surrender God. We got it? Okay. So, so we can be obedient and we can go forward, or we can be disobedient and we can back up, right? This, uh, if I tell Grace to do something, my little five-year-old, my little redhead up here, you'll see her running around. If I tell her to do something and she doesn't do it, that's disobedient, right? disobedience. She gets punished for those consequences for that. If God's working on us to do something and we don't do it, we refuse to do it, we're bucking up to God. Guess what? There's going to be consequences. There will be a price to pay. We've all seen people back up, right, from God. We've all seen people come in this church right here. And I'm not being critical of anybody today, but I'm just using this for an example. You can see they come in, they get blessed, Things start happening for financially, usually. In the natural realm, we can see it. We see it in the physical realm. They, they get close to God, and everything starts to go better. They get jobs, and you, ought to, you, you went on the list. The blessing goes on and on and on. Isn't that what happens when you come to God? Right. right? We've all seen it, and then what happens? They become disobedient to God. They back away from God. What happens? They lose. They start off losing spiritually. Right? Then they start to lose in the natural realm. Things start to fall off. They start to lose those blessings that they got when they came to God. They go away. We can all see this. Right? 
you ever thought about it in the people that are falling out away from God, the, th the people that are pulling away from God and they're starting to lose things, they're starting to lose their spiritual life, they start to lose the things physical that they've gained since they came to God and wonder, can't they see this? Don't they see this? It's so easy to see it when it's somebody else, but when it's ourselves, when we're in the middle of it, when we're, when we're, when we're down at the bottom of the hole, it's hard to see. Are you following me? Sometimes we're so far down that we can't see up, that we, we, we can't see where we used to be at. It, it doesn't register with us that, that this is why this is happening to me. There's consequences, folks. But when you don't focus on God, when you lose your focus on God, there will be consequences. When you become disobedient to God, there will be consequences. Now, there's a difference in, being, in making a mistake and being openly disobedient. Are you following me? Huge difference in that. In James 4 and 8, God's word says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. He's saying, if you draw, that word draw right there is an action word, right? It's a verb. It requires us to do something. If you do something to pull close to God, God will pull back close to you, right? Someone says every week to me, pastor, that was a good sermon. That was a really good sermon you preached today, man. I really got something out of that. And then you see him live the same way. Right? The best sermon you're ever going to hear is the one, that's, the one that you do. The one that you do. Right? That's the best sermon you'll ever hear. No matter how flashy the preacher was or, or how well-spoken he was, the best one you're ever going to hear is the one that you, that you do. Because we can, want to, we can want to change. We can make a resolution, a resolution, and we can want to do that. Whether it's spiritual, whether it's to focus on God more, the, the Word. I've been talking to you a lot about focusing on God. Whether it's focusing on God, focusing on the Word, fasting, praying, or I'm going to attend church every time the church doors are open. We, we can want to do those things, or we can do, want to do something unnatural. We can want to be more healthy. We can want to lose weight. We can want more money or have a better career. Right? We can, we can want to be more organized. We could, we could want for that future spouse. Let me ask you something. Are you marriable? If you're wanting for a future spouse, if you're wanting any of these things, have you prepared for them? That's what I'm getting at. Have you focused on these things and prepared for them? You can't become a doctor without going to school. If you're wanting a future spouse, are you marriable? Right? Are you a godly man or woman? Do you have a J-O-B? How are you going to provide for this wife? You're going to need a job. You're going to need some things. Are you marriable? Right? If you're wanting to be more healthy, if you want to lose weight, what are you planning on doing for it? If you'll draw an eye to me, I'll draw an eye to you. If you want to be more spiritual, what do you plan on doing for it? Yeah. It's not going to just happen. Opportunities are going to come. I guarantee you opportunities are going to come your way in 2019. And you can be prepared for them and focused on God, or they can pass you right by. That's up to you. <clears throat> we can want change then. So want is just like a resolution, right? We, we, make, we make our want list, and then we fail by the end of January. So we can want change, or we can do something about it, right? And we can do something about it by getting our focus on God. Are you following me? Focus, centered on God. Let everything else become a blur. Don't worry about the things, but we also have to set goals. We have to do things, because I can start off saying, I'm going to focus on God, I'm going to stay centered on God, but then where am I at in three weeks from now? Because I haven't made a, 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 a real goal, Right? A real goal is not just a resolution. It's not just a want to. It's a plan. You have to have a plan of action to have a goal. This means yes, Sister Pam. Get, get him going, Sister Pam, please. This means yes. We have to have a plan of action. We have to have the plan is how we're going to do it. It's a vehicle to get there, though. Does that make sense? And we have to have a time, when. So we have to know how and when. How are we going to get there and when are we going to get there by? Because if I just say how I'm going to get there, it can go on and on and on and on and on. 
But if I say I'm going to get here by this means, by this time, then I got a how and I got a win. I have a vehicle to get there and I have a deadline when I'm going to do it by. Does that make sense? We have a plan. <coughs> it's the first Sunday of the year, right? And 2019 could be our year. Go ahead and proclaim it. 2019 is my year. Can you say that? Is my year. Is my year. Things are going to change in my life in 2019. I'm going to be more focused on God. I'm going to do this, this, or that. Whatever it is in your life. I'm going to get this out of the way for me and God. Whatever it is that's holding you up from God. But 2000 year, or 2019 could be your year. But not if you do the same thing. If you do the same thing, that's kind of insanity, isn't it? If you do the same thing as you did last time, but you expect a different result. That's kind of crazy. So 2019 can be your year, but not if you do the same thing. We have to do something different. You might accomplish something. You won't accomplish these goals that we're talking about setting. You might accomplish something, but it won't be these goals, right? Wednesday night on my way here, I was in the car with the kids, and, and I was working on my message, and I had some of this stuff already, and I was talking to my kids about, you know, it's a new year, and people make resolutions all the time, and, and it's a good thought, but we have to have some, I talked about what goals are, and we ha- how, we, how we're going to get there, and, and the things that we need to do, and I said, I went through every kid in the car, it took me all the way from Elkhorn to get here to talk to them about this, but I said, I went through every kid in the car, and I said, what do you think you could do to make yourself better? What are you doing that you're not doing right, that, that you could be better at? Or, more, or Brenda said organization. She needed to be more organized. And, and some of the other ones said, I don't know. They wouldn't talk much about it. But, but Grace said, I want to read my Bible more. And she was going to read more. And she's five years old. She's just learning how to read. She has to sound out every word, and you've got to help her sometimes, especially when you get the bigger words. She's, she's five. You know, she's in kindergarten. So, so she wants to, her, her goal was to be more spiritual. If you read your Bible more, you are going to become more spiritual. So Grace set a goal to read one verse every day of the year. Five-year-old. I was so impressed. One verse every, every day of the year. So, so my goal is this. I, I have two goals. I'm just going to tell you what mine is. I'm going to put myself out here, and I hate to even say what I'm going to do. One of them is really great, and it's awesome, and it's to help everybody out. But the other one is something else. But however, I have a spiritual goal, and I have a physical goal. My spiritual goal is... To keep God focused, I want to stay focused on God all year. If anything else starts getting in the way, I'm not saying that have a car is bad or have a gun is bad. The things, that's the things I, I falter with. I'm not saying those things are bad, but if they start to get in the way, I'll lay them down and I'll refocus on God. That's my goal. I want to be more spiritual next year. That question I heard that preacher ask, are you more spiritual next year? I was ashamed of that. I was ashamed to have to answer, no, I'm not. I'm less spirit. And you can't, you're not going to stand still with God. You're either going to move forward or you're going to move backwards. My goal is for 2019 is to be, first and foremost, to be more spiritual than I was in 2020 than I was in 19. Right? That's my number one goal, number one priority. The second one is, is a physical goal. And I don't want to make a whole bunch of goals because I know I'll overwhelm myself and I won't do them. And the physical goal is the one that I'm dreading even telling you about because I know that I have to live up to it. Right? You can't see my you can't see my spiritual, but you can see my physical. Uh, I've been praying for musicians in this building for over four years now, and none of you all have got out of your seats and played anything except Brother Stephen. And he has a lot of boldness today. By the way, did you hear him playing that thing today? He's playing it like he owned it. <laughs> I've been working on playing a guitar for six years. I know the chords. I know the major chords. I know some stuff about it. I don't have a lot of rhythm. However, I'm called about getting some guitar lessons and things. By next year, I want to be 
good enough that I could play the rhythm guitar on the platform for you all to help further the kingdom of God. It's not for me, as I'm, I don't, want to, I don't want to be there. I don't want to do it. I started learning how to do it to do it in the nursing home, but since nobody else is going to do it, I got to make it a goal for myself, and that's what I got to do. So I'm just opening my own mail today to say, look at yourself now. Where can you be better? I want to ask you the same question I asked my kids. And I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't deal with my kids with this before I dealt with myself on it. Where can you be better at? What can you do better spiritually? Your first goal should be spiritually. What can you do better for 2019? This is the first Sunday of the month. We've got this year by the tail. We do. We've got the whole thing ahead of us. We've lost a half a week or something. That's all right. No big deal. We've lost almost a week, I guess it is. But that, that's all right. We've got the whole thing ahead of us. <clears throat> but what can you do better next year for yourself? Can you be more spiritual? The answer is yes. We can all be more spiritual. Unless you're raising people from the dead and casting out demons, you can be more spiritual. And, and if you're not here every time the church is open, we should be working on that too. But however, make a goal. You know where you, you know where I'm not. I'm not saying it has to be that, but you know where your shortcomings are. You and God both do. Ask God where your shortcomings are at. What you need to do better, right? And then make that goal, and make it stick. If I say I'm going to read my Bible more, if you're reading your Bible, say 30 minutes a day right now, and you want to read it an hour by the end of the year, don't try to start reading it an hour. You're going to fail. It's a long ways to go. So add five minutes a month. If you're reading, if, if you're reading 30 minutes right now. Read 35 in the, in, in the month of, of February. Read 40 in the month of March. You get what I'm saying? And so on. So on. And if you falter one month, adjust your goals. It's going to take me a month longer to get there now. Because I, I messed up in the month of June and I went on vacation. And, and, and this got the best of me and my focus got over here somewhere. But I'm getting back on the horse and I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it to this hour. It's going to, make, it's going to take me a month longer because I messed up this month. But God, I'm committing you to do this and, and, and I'm focused on you. So I chose to do a spiritual one and a physical one because I need help in both areas. I'm being perfected. I'm not near perfect. Please don't ever think of me like that because God chose me to preach. It's, that's not it at all. I'm being perfected. I'm just asking you to come along with me to do the same thing. Let's, can we make some goals this year? Make some things that we can attain spiritually, maybe physically, whatever God lays on your heart. I'm not trying to say which, what you need to do. I'm just telling you what God laid on my heart to do. And I'd ask you to pray to him. And see what he'd have you to do. And then make real goals to get there. Set timelines for yourself. Set an amount, measurements that go with that so that you, you have an attainable goal. That I have a deadline. i got to do this by this such and such time or such and such date. Does that make sense? Because we can be full of good intentions, but good intentions won't get you anywhere. They won't get you one place. How many times have we failed at a resolution before? Thousands of them. Thousands of them, but goals are attainable. They are, especially if we make them. If we make them where they're doable for us, we don't have to try to outdo each other. It doesn't have to be some big, huge thing. It's just got to make us better. We got a whole year to work on it. Can I get every head bowed? Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Dad, and we praise your mighty name, Father God. I pray that you would cause your word to fall on good, rich, deep soil today, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would cause it to take root, Father God, that we would, that we would grow this word, Lord, and produce fruit in our lives, Father God, that you would know us by our good fruit, Lord, that people would know this church, Lord, because we all have fruit springing out of every window, Lord. Every, every vessel in here, Lord, is, is producing 
forth good fruit, Father God. I pray this to you in Jesus' name, Daddy. Have your way on this day, Lord. Have your way in our lives, Lord. I pray that we convict and convince here today if you need to, Father God. Show us what it is that you would have us to correct in our life, Lord. What it is that you would have us to be perfected in this year, Lord. Maybe we won't be perfect by the end of the year, Father God, but we'll be a lot closer than we are right now, Daddy. Lord, I pray that you would do this in Jesus' mighty name, Father. And I pray that you would protect us. Protect us from sin, first and foremost, Father God. Protect us spiritually, Father God. Protect us physically, Daddy. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' mighty name, Father. Have your way on this day, Lord. Amen.